Hello and welcome back to The Broken Sabre Reads, where we continue our journey into the final empire reading chapters 7 and 8. So, after a Christmas break, we're back. Um, I really enjoyed getting back into the book. It's been a few weeks since I've actually read any, um, but I've actually really, really, really enjoyed getting back in. How about you? It's been a few weeks. We've had a bit of a festive break. We was, I was supposed to upload a Christmas special, which I forgot about. Oh. Um, which still hasn't been uploaded, but I will do it. Maybe next Christmas. <laughs> Maybe Easter. I don't know. Who knows when. Um, I thought it was going to be quite difficult getting back into this, and it wasn't. Um, I, Like you said to me earlier, we got straight back into reading it. It's quite an easy sort of book just to jump straight back in. Mm. Um, so I had no problem sort of getting back into it. So here we are. We're here back. Are. Okay, so can you uh, give us the summary of Chapter 7? Yep. So, summary. Marsh and Kelsia talk, talk and argue about old times not talking about the details of the job. Kelsia convinces Marsh to come back again to listen to the job. As Marsh moves to leave, Kelsia notices Vin eavesdropping. Kelsia takes Vin out for her first night of training, giving her her mist cloak. Kelsia teaches her about the eight basic metals, ending the chapter with them at the Lutherdell city wall. Bit of an interesting one. Mm. Um, so we sort of start off with this whole idea of Kelsey is going to sort of teach her about how all this stuff works. Yep. Maybe like how to burn this stuff, which ones to burn, which ones not to burn. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So what did you think? Um, I really like this chapter. I think just, you know, right back at the start of the chapter where we've got the interaction with Marsh. Um, I think this is probably the sort of most kind of like backstory that we've had for Kelsey so far and actually somebody that knows him differently whereas he's kind of I don't know he's kind of portrayed particularly amongst his crew they sort of put him up on a pedestal mm. and he's like this sort of super human who's just fantastic and their leader and they all think mm. he's the best thing ever and then you get the guy comes in who's they've obviously well they're siblings they've obviously got history but I yeah. mean there's clearly a lot of history going on between these two and like a real differing point of view and mm. I quite like how that played out and I like how Marsh kind of you know got under Kelsey's skin a bit saying to him that he didn't believe that his intentions were noble yeah and that defeated sort of the bravado so I remember it might have been like one or two episodes ago where you were like okay so Kelsey's coming out of all this stuff like this is what's happened to me in the past and all this sort of shit and you were saying like well how do we believe this guy? Yeah. Like, it might just be complete nonsense. And one thing, the first thing I've got down here is that Marsh thinks the job is only about getting Atium. Yeah. And he says that Kelsey has always been a good liar. Yes. Which is something you picked up on quite early on. I've, not not necessarily that it was a liar, but well, should we trust I'm, what this person yeah, is saying? I'm not 100% convinced that Kelsey is not a villain. And I'm, mm. at this point and when I say villain like, I don't necessarily mean he's the big bad but I also don't believe he's necessarily the big good and this kind of comes to a conversation which happens between Marsh and Kelsey which I've sort of deemed like the matrix factor whereas Marsh gives him a load of grief for killing people mm. in the castle in the previous chapter or sorry the chapter before last uh, because they're Scar working for um, a noble people and it's kind of that whole, well, if you kill people in the Matrix, they're a part of the system. That kind of mm. argument going on. So, you know, Kelsey is quite happy to kill anybody who works for the Final Empire, even if, like, you know, Marsh says, you know, they had families, they were just doing the job. And, yeah, so again, it paints it in that kind of light of, yeah, this guy, I mean, he's a terrorist. Mm. He's... You know, you call it what you want. If you're on their side, it's a rebellion. But if you're on the other side, it's terrorism. Kind of like the Star Wars sort of thing. Like, yeah. From which way you look at it, it's a little bit different. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. you know, so there's a clear system of government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't get me wrong. It's clear that the Scar are being repressed. I'm mm -hmm. not saying they're not. And I'm not saying that the noble families are, 
you know, actually, if you look at it from this point of view, they're good. Mm. I'm mm. not saying that at all. But, you know, this Marsh has clearly been through a lot and mm. he's suffered a lot. And they make a big point about, you know, he was the leader of the rebellion. And so I'm getting the impression that, you know, he's, you know, he's had all these ideals and basically probably what Kelsey is now is we're going to throw down the empire and we're going to do this and that. It's going to be great. I get the impression that Marsh has probably made that speech himself and got a lot of people killed. Mm-hmm. And now he's dealing with the guilt, like survivor guilt of what his actions have done. And yeah, Kelsey will quite happily go out and kill people in the court for the cause. But actually it's not that simple just because somebody works for the bad guys mm. doesn't make them a bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually really like that in this chapter because it kind of up until now, Everything's been very black and white. Mm. And these are the first sort of shades of grey starting to creep in. So Kelsey is sort of... They have a little bit of a chat, Kelsey and Marsh. Um, he asks Marsh if he's going to help them with their sort of cause. Um, Marsh leaves. Kelsey senses some movement at the door. Um, so he, before you get to that yeah. bit, there was something else which happened in their interaction is we start mm. hearing about she. So there's clearly a woman that's been like either a love interest for both of them and ah yes you know so we yes. start talking You're about right. she and versus commas at this point mm-hmm. and obviously Kelsia went in the pits with somebody else yeah and only he came out and then we get that whole marsh says to him like you know i can't tell you, i can't remember his exact words but basically says oh, i wish she'd came out rather than I wish, you yeah oh yeah i wish you sort of stayed in there and she survived it sort of thing. yeah exactly that was a little bit whoa yeah, like, that's a bit extreme but for your relative to it, sort of come out with. Exactly, but then obviously, and then Kelsey says, "Yeah, I agree." You mm. know, so I don't know—is it a love triangle? Is it a sister? <clears throat> you know, is it something going on? But mm-hmm. you know, these two have clearly been through a lot, and yeah. I think we're—I hope we're going to learn a bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so before we sort of get into, we're bringing no, uh, yeah, Finn into this point. chapter. Yeah, I think we're definitely laying the seeds of some more things mm, to happen. A bit of conflict, maybe. Conflict, but just mm. just backstory. Yeah. Okay. So Marsh leaves and Kelsey senses some movement at the door. He burns iron and he got like the blue lines mm-hmm. shooting out again. Um, he spots Vin moving away from the doorway. And the point of view, again, like you said in maybe the last one or the second to last podcast where the POV sort of changes a lot within the chapter. So we changed to Vin's POV. Um, and Kelsey is knocking on her door, and he asks her to follow him to start her training. Yes. Which kind of, I don't know, I, I think it's because I've watched like the Star Wars Disney trilogy leaves a bad taste in my mouth that you're like, sort of like the whole Snoke thing, where he's like, come to me to carry on your training, and then he just dies. <laughs> Whereas in this one, that doesn't happen. No. Because we're not just being dicks for the sake of it. We're actually going to train her, like we've said in the book we're going to do. Yeah. Therefore, we sort of see that happen. We do. Um, which is, you know, pretty it cool. It is, but I, do you know what? I'm glad you've brought the Star Wars analogy in mm. there, because it kind of thought of me. And I've actually written it down here, is that, like, I felt, to start off when I was reading it, I'm like, she's doing this very quickly. Like, mm-hmm. instantly she's able to do it. And I had instant thoughts in my head of Ray, like you brought in the Star Wars thing. Like, she's instantly able to master all these powers. But then, actually, I was thinking about it a bit more. And I thought, yeah, but she's been using her luck her whole mm. life. She's actually always had the ability to do this. But she never had the right materials or the training to actually know what it was. Yeah. So she's essentially been doing something that she's had... Not really any clue about how it works, how she can do it, why she can do it. Yeah. Essentially. And now it's like, well, basically drink this thing of all this different stuff and I will show you how each one of them works. Yeah, and that's the thing. So she can actually detect each one inside. And I just Mm. love this whole thing of, you know, it's the trace metals in the water she's been drinking. Yes. That's given her that power. And I'm like, yeah, do you know what? It does make perfect sense. I think... You know, in the sense of a chapter, actually, you know, half a chapter dedicated to training her on four of the metals, it does feel a little rushed in that sense. Like, yeah, 
it, when I say that, it, it's not bad, but if that had taken a whole chapter or, say, another 20 pages, I wouldn't have bothered me. Mm. Does that make sense? It's very much one of those things where it's like, right, like, like I said in a previous podcast, it's sort of, okay, Vin, if you drink this, this is going to happen. If you do this one, that's going to happen. And it's very sort of like, he needs to explain it in some way, but it seems over-explained mm. in the book sort of thing. So you've got like, okay, so he tests her basically and he gives her this vial of, of metals in this chapter and it says Vin can feel eight sources of power basically. Yeah. So she can feel like there's all this different stuff going on. She, and he's like, right, burn one of them. Doesn't matter which one, just instinctively, yeah. just burn something. Tell me what's going on. And she's like, okay, she feels different. Uh, she's not tired. She's alert. And then he's like, okay, that's pewter, mm. basically. Um, your reactions are going to be quicker, tougher, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, cool. All right. So we are learning, like, because this was one of the things you brought up previously was like, how do we know which ones do yeah. what and all this sort of stuff? So now it's like, right, which, how do you feel? Oh, I feel this. Okay, that's such and such metal. Hmm. But I found it to be sort of, it just sort of kept going on. Yeah. And it was like, well, now I feel like my eyesight's better. Oh, that, yeah. that's pure. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it was sort of... I do, I do and I don't. So yeah, I agree with you. But also, what I thought was going to be incredibly complicated, mm. like, oh, we've got these eight metals, they all do different things. And it, to be fair, it still is. And, you know, from my point of view, I don't need to know in my head what metal she's burning to produce a thing. I just need to know that she can. Yeah. So I'm at the moment, I'm not keeping a track of what does what. Like, I'll like pick that if up. She, if she, like, zipped through the air and pulled something towards her, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. She's burning. But you don't the... need to know yeah. exactly what she's doing at every millisecond of No, exactly. That. Like, it doesn't have to be always, oh, she burned yeah. pewter. It could just be she burned. You know, mm. like, that's fine. But then I get why he does it, and it does make sense. But what I really like about this and as a system is that actually eight things becomes four when they become opposites. Mm. You know, so like, okay, so one pushes, one pulls. Yeah. One makes you see better and hear better the other one uh, makes you is it stronger mm-hmm. and you know you know it's like oh okay yeah the, if everything's just got an opposite mm. then that makes it really easy to remember what's going on yeah and you know i don't need to remember that you have to burn an alloy of such and such in order to do it no um, you, you all you need to know is okay you've got all these metals you can do all this cool shit and it's related to yeah. their metals and that's it and when it will come important it will make sense because he'll say it. You know, if she goes to fly and she can't, it will say in the book, she realised that her source of tin had yes. diminished. Okay, tin does it. You know, I don't need to know it. And, mm. But that's fine by me. And that's where I think it's really good. But then also, yeah. you know, he's establishing a system at this point that this does that. Yeah. What I really liked about this, and especially when I read it, it's like, oh, it's got to be the certain type of... Is it nickel, which has got ninety percent such and such ten percent? Yeah, it's, it's all about the percentages. Yeah, yeah. And when he said lead, I was like, "Shit, she's we're not mm. encouraging her to eat lead, are we?" Mm. And I thought, "Oh god, this is bad." I'm like, "Surely you have to have a do not do this at home kids yeah. message on this." Um, but then when he said like at the end or at some point like, "No, you need to burn them off at night because you can't leave them in your stomach because that'll mm. make you sick." I'm like, "Yeah." Of course it does. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, if you're not actually using proper aromatic metals, you know, you can't just swallow a bottle top mm. and then do stuff. Well, this is where, like, it comes in when he, he sort of explains some stuff. Because at this point, like, I didn't really think that, oh, you can't use this and you can't use that. But it sort of establishes that, like, even, like, water contaminated by metal can affect you in mm. some way. And pewter utensils, so like a knife and fork. Yeah. So you're still and, getting that same... the goblet she'd been drinking in, exactly. the, in the clubhouse. Yeah, house and it's just, it's just stuff you don't think of. But then when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, mm. like that makes total sense. And he has to explain it somehow. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, anything everyday life, you know, we eat green vegetables because they contain iron, mm. which we need for our blood. You know, it's just, it's not... 
uh, you know, when you start off thinking, oh, it's like you're burning metal. I remember when you told me about this, and it, like before we even intended to read this, I remember you saying, oh, there's this uh, book series that's got a really interesting magic system where they burn metal. I kind of had in my head that they had like coin-sized pieces of metal in their stomach, and I thought, mm. God, this sounds just absolutely bizarre. But yeah, it's just it makes sense. You've got these, you know, really small doses and, mm. you know, I like how they burn at different rates and all yeah. that stuff and how, um, and what was the other thing that was really interesting was if you flare it too much, it makes people go a bit peculiar. Yes. And yeah. So I imagine we're going to meet somebody who's like, Do you know that's something that like obviously, cause I have read it before, but it was that long ago that I just don't remember. But when I was reading it the other day, I picked up on that and I was like, I didn't, really realize that before but it makes sense because you think it must be like a drug like mm. if you can take this stuff which then means that you enhance your senses that must be so tempting and also get addictive yeah, yeah so true. Mm. you know maybe that's the point like actually you get used to it so then you flare it because mm. you lose the buzz if you're doing it all the time but yeah that's i don't know if that's what he was going for and i'm not saying it's a big like allegory for drug use but that just kind of entered my head like yeah that must be like a really addictive thing to be able to do like to be able to heighten your senses Mm. so one thing i found quite interesting um is when she's got like vin's got increased vision and it she can see everything in better detail so like the city or whatever like you know minute sort of detail and she actually sees stars in the sky Mm. for the first time like, she's never seen yeah. stars before. Because obviously you've got all this ash and mist and everything everywhere. It's, you know, light pollution. You can't see anything. Yeah. And for her to be able to be like, right, I'm going to burn this. And then I can actually see, like, stars. Yeah. The moon. Whatever. Must be a pretty mind-blowing vision. It must. And, you know, from a world-building point of view, like, yeah, I do keep forgetting about the the ash yeah. and the yeah the volcanic clouds so yeah they obviously don't see daylight and properly and mm. like you say this is the first time that she can actually see the scar- stars shining through this haze that must be there and think mm. god yeah and like collecting up the piles of ash and chucking it in the river to get rid of it and yeah that was one thing i don't know if it, that was this chapter or the next one but it was when i'll say it anyway but it was when they left the city for like a brief very brief moment yeah and they sort of walked down like past the canal sort of thing and like there was even bigger ash mounds and like piles of ash everywhere because everyone in the city would take it from within throw it outside the city walls or whatever yeah and then whoever was out there would throw it in the river yeah and the river would take it back into the city again and you're just like yeah yeah, it, it must be a huge problem trying to get rid yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, it's like, stuff. what the fuck do we do with this stuff? And like, yeah, they, I know he said like it breaks down a little bit, but mm. sort of like 80% of it or whatever is still lingering around. But then I think like she says, oh, they have to get rid of it somehow, otherwise the whole thing would be under mm. like piles of ash, the whole city would yeah. disappear. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I thought, again, like we sort of... It's almost like mismatched chapters in a way at the moment. Like... He did a really good job of like we had the big exciting one, then we've had the meeting, and then mm. now it's kind of like, well, okay, we're gonna have a lesson chapter. But they sort of the chapter, the narrative of the chapters kind of spill over into each other. So the last chapter spilled over in part one of this chapter with the conversation with Marsh. So yeah, that was a new thing, but it still took place in that room yes. where we were in the last chapter. And then so we finish that conversation, then we go outside with Kelsey and Vin for like the the training chapter and this chapter ends with us sort of at the doors but then carries on in the next carries chapter on. yeah so they almost do just like leave a bit into the next chapter so it doesn't mm. it's an interesting way of storytelling it's it's i would say it's not usual but it does keep the story flowing in a certain way it's sort of it I'm, I'm gonna say sort of very loosely reminds me of like a song of ice and fire where you've got like the end of a chapter is very much the point where shit happens. And yeah. The very last sentence is like, leaves you on a massive cliffhanger. The difference is, in that series, you have to wait maybe five, six chapters to get back to that character to carry on. Mm. Whereas this one, he sort of leaves you hanging on the on the last sentence 
But then the next chapter, chapter, sorry, he just goes straight back into it. Yeah. So you're like, oh fuck, like what's going to happen? Oh, it's fine because it's happening right now. Yeah. I you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's he sort of carries it on very quickly. Yeah. Um, there was, but sorry, you go. Um, one thing I was going to say, Vin burns another random metal because obviously he's not telling her what they are at this point. He's like, burn what you think you should burn, sort of thing. Um, and she gets the blue lines springing out she's like what the hell is this what I found interesting is he doesn't explain to her what it is mm. so he's just like I'm not going to tell you that yet yeah. um, that's for later on she's like hang on yeah. <laughs> what is all this shit like what's going on but I found it a little bit strange that he's sort of every single metal he's given this sort of explanation of this will pull you to that thing and this will do this and whatever but this one he's like <laughs> no mm. not telling you yeah, I think that's just interesting, like, the way Kelsey has kind of written, is that, you know, Vin doesn't trust him, mm. and it's pretty understandable why, because she's just met him, mm-hmm. and he's promising all these wonderful things, and, um, yeah, it's, I don't know whether, is that, is that the writer just almost lazily trying to put that, because no, that's what's going to happen in the next chapter, or mm. is that just trying to add this air of mystery because otherwise, you know, literally her training would be quicker than Luke on Dagobah because it's just, like, done. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, she's mastered all these things very I suppose quickly. We Yeah, I suppose it's got to be a bit of mystery because, like, I've got a couple of notes here where it's quite clear that he explains to her, like, bronze lets you sense if someone's using Alamancy mm. near you, you know, um, and he burns copper which he quite blatantly comes out of saying it hides you from inquisitors. Yeah. So you get sort you do get an explanation for like everything. Mm. So I guess he's got to hide something from her. Yeah, and like explanations wise, it's something that came up, and I thought, yeah, didn't think about that. But I mean, I don't know whether it makes sense, but obviously he had to make this rule because otherwise it would just be daft. But the fact that like her earrings okay, she can doesn't have can have no metal mm. on her, but her earrings okay because if it's in your body, it's fine. Yeah. Before, yeah, because otherwise you just rip the money, the metal through. Someone. That was, I believe, that was the next chapter. But yes, oh, so the, I it, is, it doesn't matter. But yeah, you are right. And the thing is, I never would have thought about that. No. Until he explained, well, if that wasn't the case, they'd be able to rip the metal straight out of your stomach. Mm. I'm like, oh yeah. And then you wouldn't be able to use any of them. But I like that idea of, like, that's what, kind of why the Steel Inquisitors have got the s- nails, like, through yeah. their f- eyes. Mm. And, yeah, they're obviously just seeing through the power of being able to detect magic users. Yeah. But that kind of struck me as a bit of a, well, if you burn this, you're undetectable. So surely those guys must be pretty useless. Hmm. But then I think it's almost like they're there to hunt down, you know, young like children who have this power but don't realise they're doing it in the way that Vin was burning her luck without realising it. So I think yeah. that's why they're there. They're almost there I, to hunt them down. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So Kelsia wants to train Vin with iron pulling and steel pushing. Mm. Um, bit Bit of a blatant way of saying it, but okay, that's what he wants to do. So, they're doing all this sort of training. Vin pushes a coin against the wall and gets thrown backwards because of all this sort of, like, crazy rules that he's put in place where you've got, like, the weights mean something. Yeah. So, basically, he tells her to jump over this massive fucking wall um, that me and you would probably look at and go, how in fuck's name am I going to do that? With no training whatsoever. With, like, literally nothing. He give, What I found interesting, he gave her a belt, like a metal belt, um, in case he needed to catch her yeah, like <laughs> falling a, out of the air. Her training wheels. Which yeah. I guess, yeah, you've got it, because you can't just let her plummet to her death. You know? Well, you, sure you can. Well, you could, you, um, yeah. Do you know, and this is where I actually love how well thought out this power is and I think you know it's where it was quite clever the way earlier in the chapter I like how Kelsey has said you're not doing that now you have to practice this under certain circumstances mm. whereas the others you can just do ad hoc but this is dangerous yeah because she she pulls a nail is it or something towards her something like that yeah, yeah. 
and it's flying towards her and Kelsey catches it and pulls it away. Yes. Because um, yeah. otherwise she'd just kill herself. Mm. It would just shoot straight through her. Mm. And yeah, you sort of was like, God, yeah, this must be incredibly dangerous. But also what I really love about the way that he's done this particular part of the system is that although they're opposites, they also do different things because yeah you're pulling on something but if you're pulling on something heavier than you you're going to fly towards it Mm. if you're pulling on something lighter than you it's going to come towards you but in the same way that you're pushing if you're pushing on something lighter than you it's going to move so they do the exact same things but this is Mm. how they can achieve this appearance of you know flying or it's very much like right you've got this absolutely cool as fuck ability however if you do it like this you're screwed. Yeah. And like, I know I said in a previous podcast, like you've got to have, there's got to be a bit of mystery about this sort of stuff, but I kind of like that. Mm. And it's sort of like, it does, it stops them from doing anything. Yeah. There's a like set. You're of, very limited to what you yeah. can actually do. And it's, it's determination. It's not like, you know, super old Superman can fly. Cause yeah, no, she, yeah, she can, effectively fly Kelsia flew across the city but only because there was metal there heavier than mm. or lighter than him that allowed him to be able to do that yeah exactly so what are your thoughts on this chapter I enjoyed it because I think it's been like two three weeks maybe since we've actually read and like got into this a bit more so it's been a little while and I was kind of worried that I'd lose my way along sort of thing a bit, a bit like I don't know um, I enjoyed it I thought there was again a little bit maybe over explanation of certain things um, I know I said before you know I wish there was a little bit more mystery to it um, but I thought yeah I don't know I, I enjoyed it I thought it was good yeah. I thought it was good I, I, you know, I'm the same as you I enjoyed it I remember when I started reading the start of the chapter with Marsh I was just like oh my god God, I'm not going to understand any of this. But mm. then, you know, very quickly, it was different from previously what had happened. And um, I think I straight away got intrigued <laughs> by actually how much it, like, gave us information about Kelsier. And, mm. you know, the fact his brother doesn't trust his, um, you know, his intentions. And is he just out for the atrium? I mean, I, at this stage, don't think so. But mm. it obviously touched a nerve. Um, I think Marsh is one of those, like interesting sort of characters where like it's not someone who we have to really care or know so much about right now he just sort of pops in he's like why did you do this mm. you should be doing this okay I'll help you do it. and then he's gone yeah. and you're like alright fine it's not like this sort of side character that's just like completely overtakes the whole no, story sort of thing so I don't have a problem with him at all at the moment no. um, I, I really liked what it did for the character of Kelsier. Mm. Um, sort of took a bit of the mystery away from him. Um, second part of the chapter, the training. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I mean, I think it all went a bit quick for me. That's the only thing. And I think mm. actually Vin sums it up perfectly in the chapter herself. When um, Kelsier gives her her misting cloak, yeah. she kind of says, oh, don't I have to earn this? And I was yeah. like, yeah, doesn't she? And mm. I'm still not 100% sure what the point of the cloak is. I, I really hope there's more to it than just this is what they wear. I mean, saying that, I did sort of, they did say that, um, like, it's not just, like, the scar, like, rebellion mistings that wear them. They're actually the cloaks of the ones which the noble houses wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like, from their point of view, that's how they're going to be able to move around the city without mm. getting detected because guards will just assume that they're noble people about their business Mm. so i quite like that actually it made the cloak make a lot of sense but yeah it's almost like that kind of happened very quickly it kind of yeah it's one of those things i don't think it's actually particularly needed it's just one of those things that's like right if you wear this people will know yeah what you are and and they will know what to do if they see you and they'll steer and that is pretty much it yeah, at this point, um, yeah, I, I almost like took that as kind of like a, a wink from the author, sort of in a way, saying kind of like, yeah, the stuff that you think is going to be important isn't going to be important. Mm. Like, just that's how this is going to go. This is not a thousand-page book where you're learning the law of mm. something. I'm going to give you the information as it comes. Um, 
And I, you know, fair enough. I like that. You know, it's like that meme I sent you the other day, which was like, oh, part of one was like, oh, J.R. Tolkien, here's an axe, and here's the yeah, two thousand yeah. year history of this <laughs> axe. We're not going to get that in this. No. Um, but it's del- delving out information at a nice regular pace. But- Do you know what? One thing I think, which has actually supr- really surprised me about this series, is there's n- another series of um, Brandon Sanderson that he's done, the, the Stormlight, Ar- uh, Stormlight Archive, which is like pretty much the most famous thing he's done. It's like his, I don't want to say magnum opus sort of thing, but it's like, it will be. It will end up being. It's like one of the highly, most highly rated series. Um, it started off, and it was sort of like the first two books were absolutely amazing. Like they were slow. They were sort of like a very slow build up. But when it got to the point, you were like, holy shit, this is like amazing. In the third book, he sort of went a little bit off the track for me. So it went a little bit too... I know I keep saying about the mystery and stuff, but he went too far into explaining how every single thing works. Right. And I'm now listening to Rhythm of War, which is the, the fourth book, came out a few months ago. I'm really struggling with it. Right. I mean, really struggling because it's like, I'm like, what is, what are they even talk? What is he even talking about anymore? Like, the story has changed so much. I, I don't know a lot of a lot of people listening to this will probably disagree with me. However, I think the story has changed so much from what it was. He's introduced so many new characters, so many new concepts, and like every single thing, he's gone like right into the history and like really deep into the lore of like everything. I'm like, where's the plot? And I know I'm going really off track here. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, no, but... But seriously, I'm like, where's the plot? I'm really surprised, again, like listening to this book again or reading this book again, in how much... It's actually very tight. Mm. Even though he's explaining a lot in every chapter, this series is so tight compared to the Stormlight Archive. Okay. And like, I'm actually quite surprised. Like, I'm enjoying this more than I am that now. And I never thought I'd say that, but I am. That's really interesting, because obviously mm. this was his, like, you know, one of his first yeah. books. So do you think that's just how he's, like, developing himself as a writer? Or... Possibly, it's... I don't know, I think the... I know you haven't read it, and I won't go into detail, but the first two books had a very sort of clear... Area, like a, a clear sort of place that they were in so they're all in this one sort of area we know all the characters there's sort of like a, a bit of a limited cast of characters the third book lost me a little bit but it was still good it was sort of like yeah okay the fourth book has just gone like bonkers right and like I think I think I know why he's doing it because he's trying to include like because he's got this thing called the Cosmere which is like everything he's done yes well not everything but most of the things he's done in one universe and that includes this doesn't that it? includes Mistborn yeah um, so he's trying to add things from this and from other series into this Stormlight archive and it's just gone a little bit wacky right and a little bit I don't know it's just gone so in depth I'm like I don't know what's going on anymore is it like the whole <clears throat> big you know because shared universe is pretty huge at the moment mm and is he trying to force it? I think in the first three books, no. In the fourth book, yes. Oh, that's interesting. Definitely. Um, I know it's got to come together at some point, and it's not all about that, but it's more like the more sort of mysterious parts of, say, like Mistborn or whatever, that we're thinking, oh, that's cool. I don't quite know how it works, but that's pretty interesting. In this, he's like, I'm going to spend 300 pages telling you how this works. Right. And how all the history leads up to this one. Th- and I'm just like, oh my God. And there's like, the plot's just sort of taken a bit of a back. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Just getting bogged, bogged down. It's getting very bogged down. And I know a lot of pe- a lot of fans, and I'm very sorry, but it's my opinion, will say I'm wrong. And I might very well be wrong, but it's what I think. Um, but this, I'm I'm really really surprised how this has been so like streamlined. Okay, that's all I'm gonna okay. say. 
Well, if you disagree with anything that Matt just said, he is in control of our Twitter account. So tweet us at the Broken Saber. Um, you'll probably get abuse back, but it'd be interesting to see genuinely whether you agree with what Matt just said. I don't know because I've not read it yet. Um, but hey, I think that's the best thing about this kind of stuff is it's debate yeah. and different opinion. Look, the thing is, you know, we can we we can sit here all night and you know, explicit warning sucking Brandon Sanderson's long Mormon penis. Okay? Which we could. Because he is a Mormon, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Do you know what I mean? But no one one is immune to criticism. No. No one. And that is my opinion on that series. But I'm just trying to relate it in the fact that I'm, I'm just quite shocked how streamlined and how sort of to the point this is uh, yeah, compared to that this is very to the point i mean you know what i mean it's, yeah it, there's no um there's no prattling about in this we are we're training vin in this chapter previous chapter we're fleshing out a plan to take down the final empire chapter before that we're getting kelsia unleashed so mm-hmm. it does you know you're not you're not waiting round like you say with um ice and fire you know, you're not wasting round five, six chapters to find out what Jon Snow is now up to, no. or an entire book in some instances. Mm. Um, so yeah, cool. Um, I think that's a pretty good summary of chapter seven. Uh, so we will be back with chapter eight. Okay, so we're on to chapter eight. Basically, I just had a reread of the, the uh, summary, and it's so long that I can't be asked to read it. So basically, Vin jumps over a wall and does some cool shit. Um, and then Kelsia takes her to meet some dude and then they travel back to Lutherdell and then they, he gives her some money and then that's about it. So anyway, so Vin shoots herself into the air. Yeah. and Pretty know, cool. I can imagine her going, oh! Yeah. As she's doing it. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just watching the waveform on uh, on our recording software going, oh! It's quite cool. Um, yeah, do you know what? This kind of... This addressed like the issue I had with chapter seven, that she was learning things a bit too easily. This she nearly she kills herself, herself. Yeah. and yeah, it's like yeah, of course she would. So you're, she's trying to balance on a coin effectively, mm. and that whole thing that Kelsey says, like yeah, you'll naturally find your balance point because it's like you just stood on something. I'm like yeah, I get that, but obviously as soon as you move. Mm. you're not directly above it so like all you have to do is shift your center of gravity forward slightly and you're going to fall and yeah as happened when she got on the other side like mm. as soon as she sort of started falling so she pushed harder but that actually just flew her away even further so mm. there must be i'm amazed that she doesn't really know about alamancy because she must like walk down the street in the morning and there must just be so many dead people who suddenly attempt yeah. to do this and just get fucked but then you get the like we get the bit where she's like on top of it and he's like basically to get down you've got to jump off. There's no other way. Yeah. You either jump or you're fucked. Basically, you're gonna get she's like, by oh the shit. Um, so that happens. Um, and I've actually the next point I've got is something we brought up just a minute ago where Kelsia sort of states that metal in your body can't be pulled upon, otherwise yes, burning sorry, metals can't get pulled early. out. That's fine. Um, they sort of walk around outside the city. I didn't really get this bit. It was sort of like, they did all this cool shit for about two minutes and then he's like, let's go for a walk. But yeah, do you think, again, like, see what I mean? Like, it's, this was the end of the last chapter yeah. and it's pushed over yeah. into this chapter. So it's an interesting way of doing it. Um, but yeah, they kind of, like you say, they go for a wander. Yeah. And um, they come across something very interesting. Yeah. So... Kelsia basically no 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 sorry Vin realizes like there's something there there's something moving yeah I think sorry just to go on your point like what's the point of the wandering about I kind of took it before this <clears throat> happened that it's kind of like in the same way that when Kelsia was in the the village on the, in the prologue and you know they were scared to go out into the mist it's mm. almost I think he's kind of just showing her like there's nothing out here that can hurt yeah you. I guess yeah um just trying to break these preconceptions that she's got about mm. the world she lives in. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So they're sort of wandering around. Vin sees something moving, which is like, I think it's described as like 
a hill, like a bit of a big hill, but then she sees like it move and she's like, what the hell is yeah, that? Yeah, she's like, she goes, oh, it's there, and she looks and all she can see is a hill. Yeah. But then the hill moves. But then it moves. So she, like, Kels here explains it's a miswraith, which obviously we get from either the prologue or chapter one, maybe. They talk where, about them in the prologue because... Yes, there's the, a bit of an explanation. They think the little girl's been taken, that yes. the guy was going to rape as taken by the miswraith. Yeah. So Vin doesn't, is like basically, oh, I didn't think they were real. I thought that was just some made up bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then she see like, what it is, is some sort of like, what I've written here is it's some sort of strange creature with limbs coming out from all over itself, skeletal structure, translucent muscles. I mean, even up to this point, it's a bit of a bizarre thing to even picture in your mind. Yeah. Um, numerous rib cages, six heads, animal torso. Um, they shape their skin around a skeletal structure. It digests corpses and creates duplicates of the dead creature. And then it essentially keeps or throws out any sort of parts that it wants to or doesn't want to keep. Yeah. So like, you can be like, that's a cool arm, that's a cool leg, I'll keep them, but I don't want your fucking head or your whatever. The whole thing reminded me of an axe, to be honest with you. Of a what? An axe. An X. Oh! <laughs> Oh. When you said, I was like, what's an X? Is that some, <laughs> some sort of shit from like Lord of the Rings? No, okay, I get you. No, I get you, an X, yeah. Bad joke. Well, Pretty bad. It, it was alright if you weren't. Maybe I'm just so stupid I didn't get it. Um, this thing is fucked you up. You can just picture this like big fleshy mongoloid thing with bones coming out of it. Do you know what? The thing that really interested me is the first thing I then did was go on Google and googled Mistrave because I wanted to see like fan art and what mm. people thought none of them looked at anything like what I pictured I no. always pictured I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this properly so I might look like a complete twat but a tardigrade do you know what I mean by that a, a what um, no show me what yeah, one so of those it's, is it's one of, I think they're called like uh, water bears or something it's like a, a microscopic that's like a form. little amoeba type thing yeah but they've put them in space but do you, do you see what I mean like how it sort okay. of undulates I sort of pictured it as that but with like but with more like, like without the thing underneath like without any space underneath more of like a blob yeah with just like bones and shit coming yeah. out of every fucking thing but the um, if you google mist wraiths mm. and have a look at some of the images they don't really look like no, that's not what I pictured how at all. I pictured it that's kind of I mean yeah I guess that's sort of what I thought yeah um, but some of them are way off but this is just a really messed up a complete image. disgusting beast of a cretin creature thing of nightmares yeah pretty much and you know, it's got like a person sticking out of it, and it's mm. like, oh yeah, well, it's probably just a corpse that it rolled over yeah. and absorbed. It's just like, it doesn't kill anything, it just sort of goes, well, there's a corpse. Yeah. Whatever. If it's but, a deer or a cat or a person, it's just like, I'll absorb that. Whatever. But it just, um. <clears throat> yeah. What's it's that fucked, about? It's fucked up, man. I don't know, it's fucked up. Looks weird. Yeah, I assume we're going to see them again. That's a pretty oh yeah obscure thing to introduce. If yeah, it's you just, you uh, don't bring that in for nothing. No, like no. I imagine someone's going to get absorbed at some point. Yeah. So we get this whole thing after that where they're like, "Oh, he's gone. That's cool." And then they walk up the Imperial High Road and they meet Sazed. Yeah. So, so question to you. Did you have any thoughts about Sazed, what he is, who he is, what he's done, anything like that? Or were you just like, who's this guy? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of... When I was reading it, it wasn't until a bit later on, I was like, oh, the convenience of him being there. So, But obviously this meeting was pre-arranged. He just happened to take, you Mm. know, the training... He was just sort of there. Yeah, it was all very good timing. But Mm. he's called a terraceman. So Mm. I'm like... So previously, I got the feedback that nobles and Scar are different races. So I don't know whether this is just, you know, if it's a different race in like different religion or if it's actually physically a different type of person or what. But this is, you know, clearly a different guy. And I sort of had Mm. this image in my head of this guy with this like carriage and I don't know, sort of maybe a kind of a gypsy ish sort of kind of character, possibly. I don't really know, but obviously we established that he and Kelsey know each other. Yeah. And um, 
they jump in and they're heading off to uh, Felice, like an outlying city. Yeah, I kind of... This is where I was like, what was the point in that? Because they sort of went there and then Kelsey was like, hey Vin, here's some money for doing whatever you've just done. Um, And he basically told Caesar to take them back to Lutherdell. Well, because she and didn't was like, want to be part of it. Yeah, and was like, look, if you don't want to be part of this, here's some money, see you later. Mm. And then I kind of liked I kind of liked her response where she's like, no, I do want to carry on with this. And he's like, well, why? She's like, to see what happens. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Me too. Yeah, because it's such a fucking ridiculous plan yeah. that like you have to just sit it out and just see what the hell, how yeah. this goes down. Yeah. And that's it. Like, I don't know, is that... I'm thinking, is that Kelsia just demonstrating that his brother's wrong? And did she overhear that? So, look, yeah, I'm not all about the money. So, again, not convinced 100%. I, mm. To be honest with you, you're right about the fact that this book is very much giving us things as it is. So, I don't expect there to be the big twist that Kelsia is not a good guy. I just mm-hmm. don't feel like that's in this book. But, you know, there's always a way to justify what he's doing with malicious intent. Mm. Um, but yeah, it kind of... This is the first... But so Vin's just gone along with everything, like, to an almost unbelievable level up till now. I mean, yes, mm. you've got the, the the lure of learning how to use these powers, but even so, you know, it's a, she's gone along with a lot. And she, he yeah. has just trusted her instantly. Mm. And she's done nothing really to earn that trust. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like the first moment where they've actually tested each other in that sense. Like, what's she going to do? What's he going to do? I think, and I agree with you, it's very much still breakneck speed. Mm. Like, we're getting, we are getting chapters of a lot of detail and a lot of like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. But when you really look at it and analyse it and like we sit here and talk about it, stuff is happening so fast. Yeah. And it's like you haven't... The characters don't really have time to even reply. It just happens mm. and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. You just jumped over a wall. Um, and now, like, three seconds later, they're... In a carriage. In a carriage a and town. this stuff's happening. and Yeah. But I thought... As pointless as I thought the, <laughs> the carriage ride was, there were... Like, when they were sort of having a chat and... Kelsey had told Vin that like they were talking about like trees and like the leaves on the trees and he was like oh well they should be green normally like yeah. year, like hundreds of years ago these trees you know leaves were green she's like I can't I don't understand that she could not get her head around the fact that a leaf should, should be green because she's always seen them as like brown black yeah. sort of horrible like but how does he know that mm. <laughs> but that's my question and do you know what else actually happened in this coach ride? Mm. Um, again, harking back to the conversation between Marsh and Kelsier mm. in the last chapter. So we kind of discover that Kelsier was raised as a nobleman's illegitimate son. Mm. So, you know, the son of a scar, but the father was a nobleman. And um, I'm just thinking, actually, yeah, this that really explains uh, Marsh's reaction in the first chapter. Because effectively, Kelsier was murdering them mm. in that tower. He was murdering people who were, you know, Scar who were working with and, you know, potentially the illegitimate children of the Lord. And that's exactly who they are and mm. how they grew up. Good point. And so I think that makes that whole interaction make a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, so does, um, you know, is it sort of daddy issues for Kelsey in that sense? <laughs> oh, daddy. <laughs> Please come back, daddy. <laughs> but, you know, so this is how, that's how he's been raised. Mm. And, okay. um, yeah, I found that was quite interesting. So he's been in that life. He's lived mm. that kind of noble life to a degree mm. and been raised as an illegitimate child of a nobleman. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. really good. Yeah. So when they're doing this whole, like, random coach ride where they're just chatting and they're like, yeah, whatever. And they're having this sort of random conversation and Kelsey says, you can't burn metals that aren't allomantically sound or it could be deadly. Mm. So if it's not one of the, well, I'm going to say eight, but it's actually 11, I suppose. Yeah, we, I still don't know. 11 metals, 
then it could completely fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense. You know, if you're putting stuff like lead into your body, it's not going to be good for you, is it? So then we arrive in um, the town of Felice, and which is described as being, you know, basically like a, sub, a suburb of um, Lufadel and um, a lot nicer, a lot sort of cleaner. And we arrive mm. at the home of Lord Renu, or the man impersonating Lord Renu. Yes. See, this is where I actually completely forgot the previous chapters, and I was like, oh, yes, yeah, that Renu guy. And it was very apparent that it was like, you're not him. Yeah. You're an imposter. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they sort of enter his manor, don't they? This is where things got a li- I actually had to go back and read it again. Yeah. So things got a little bit confusing here. So there's this whole thing. They go in. It's like a really nice place. We've got all these, like, white marble walls and, like, columns and stuff. And Vin sees some scar servants who are actually happy. Yeah, for once. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Um, and they're all laughing and smiling and, and what have you. And then after this, I was sort of like, what is the meaning of this whole part? And I had to go back and reread. So what I've got here is Renu suggests Vin can play the part of a daughter of a favoured cousin to himself. Yeah. And that he is introducing her to the other noble houses as a ploy to strengthen his own house. Yeah. Now... I'm not sure if I'm just a complete idiot, but I just did not get that the first time. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, so I think it was... So obviously they, the original plan was that he was going to have an heir mm. that was going to be with him. But obviously this is clearly quite a patriarchal society. So the fact that she was a female, even if it was a child of his, you know, that wouldn't be a strong enough claim. It would have to go to a male. Mm. So they're obviously adapting their plan. But obviously, so that he is going to be and, and Vin are going to be this big part of sort of infiltrating the, you know, the noble world, as it were. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, starting to sort of kind of see what Vin's part is going to be to play in the yeah. story. Um, I really liked how, like, she couldn't believe how clean everything was, and like how white the marble was. Yeah. And so it must it just be sort constantly of be cleaned. Yeah. In order for it to be like that. And then there was one part as well, I think this might have been a little bit later, but she's in the same chapter, but she's sort of walking through like Renu's, um, I don't know what it is, room or something. And she's like, well, there's like, there's dust on my cloak and it's going to get on her, on his carpet. And like, she just cannot, Yeah, you know what I mean? She can't fathom, fathom the fact that she's going to make this guy's pristine house like completely filthy. Yeah. No. But it's like, well, that's the place you live in. That's yeah, exactly. You, that's what happens, you know. But um, they're teasing whatever this guy's done to be able to look like Lord Renu, mm. and it's clearly going to be fucked up. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, and how it ended, like with the conversation between um, Sazad and Vin, like with him sort of just sort of staring her down, and this turns out he's actually just winding her up a bit. Mm. Um, but it ended with um, him ask with her asking if Kelsey was a good man. Yeah, I've got that down. And yeah. uh, he said, "Yes, he is. He's one of the best men he knows." Yeah. And but before that, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, obviously, we know now that Sayhid is like under Kelsey's control because he takes Sayhid from this Renu. Well, who we think is Renu, but isn't from his service and goes. You need to look after Vin now. Yeah, you need to show her what she needs to do next, and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, okay, that's cool. I'll do that." Yeah, and he just sort of does it. And yeah, I've I've got here. Sazed walks Vin to her room. She asks him if Kelsey is a good man, and he says he's one of the best men he's ever known. Yeah. And end. then what we get at the end of that end, end of, of part, part one. one. Yeah. So it's kind of like a big end of sort of arc thing yeah. where we're going into the next phase of the story I'm kind of assuming we might go a little bit of a time skip um, I'm thinking if this was a movie we'd sort of have a montage of Vin learning yeah, to fly montage yeah, yeah exactly yeah, I guess and like she'll be progressively getting better and I imagine she'll have a bit more control of her powers I imagine we're going to have she'll have done a lot of training on how to pass as a noble person when mm. we next carry on um, I might be getting this absolutely right I promise you I've not read anything else um but yeah, again, so really interesting chapter. Mm. Um, again, a chapter certainly of two parts, 
actually probably multiple parts really, but sort of two main ones. Um, yeah, I just I like that these two chapters have been very much Kelsier and Vim focused. Mm. Um, I think, like I said in the previous podcast, I was struggling with all the additional characters being introduced and names and things like not really getting it. And I like that we've sort of actually gone back to our core characters and yeah. just fleshed out this relationship a bit because I think it needed doing. And the imagery of a of a mist wraith mm. just that's a, that's enough, isn't it? Just yeah. to but between for them whole that two chapters and the Steel Inquisitors, there's mm. some really kind of amazing ideas in this book mm. and like how did he come up with that it's very much when i was reading about that again i was like it's very much sort of he's just going to the completely like random side of imagination it's not like okay well you know a lot of a lot of fantasy now is like well it's an elf yeah but it's not an elf because it's you know, it's such and such. But you know deep down, it's an elf. Yeah. This is like, this isn't anything. This is just some completely random shit we've never seen before in any series from any author. And we're like, whoa, that's some pretty strong imagery. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think a lot of fantasy, like you, like you say, you talk about an elf or a dwarf and the writer just assumes that you've read Tolkien and that will yeah. do all the backstory for you because yeah. you'll know everything about those people. Um, yeah, it's almost like a kind of like a natural Frankenstein's monster kind of thing made up of all these mm. different parts and stitched together. And uh, mm. yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, I enjoyed the chapter. I think that I, it, I think quite when I read it, felt it was as disjointed as you've made me feel it is now that I've heard your take on it. But I think you're right. It is a bit random at points. Mm. Um, I just I love how it started with like the learning the pushing and pulling and ending up on the top of the wall and him catching her as she fell mm. and you know that kind of saying like yeah do you know what this isn't going to be as easy as you think it's going to be however I feel like she's going to have mastered it off by the time we get to chapter the thing three. is it's I know what you mean but I think even a little bit of failure is better than no failure at all yeah so if we went straight into this and he was like right Vin drink this and do that and she was like alright and she did it and had like no nerves at all and yeah. landed back on the floor and went well that was easy we'd be like oh come on yeah and I think but, that's, that's the danger he skirted with in chapter yeah. 7 even the fact that she was like hang on I've got to scale this wall hang on I've got to jump off of it like yeah. are you fucking kidding me right now and it's almost like that kind of you know <clears throat> like when you teach a kid to ride the bike and taking your hands off them Mm. It was like that. It was like he flew threw her up into the sky and she had to ride yeah. without stabilizers. It was like, this is it. You either do it or you die, basically. Yeah. Like, just uh, do it. And yeah. obviously, though, she wasn't ever in any harm because he was going to catch her mm. no matter what happened. But it just kind of, I liked that bit. Yeah, it was great. And then, mm. so we moved from that. Then we get the whole Miss Wraith thing, which is just, yeah. I like how um, it almost felt like in chapter one that. Kelsia was like not mocking the scar, but just looked down on them for being scared of the mists. Mm. If that thing was in the fucking mist, I don't care if it's relatively harmless. I would not want to be out in those mists. Can you imagine no. bumping into that on a night out? I'd be like, I'm the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm gone. So I'm I gone. feel that's a bit harsh, Scar. Well, mm. you know, good on you, but I wouldn't want to be out in there. No, fuck Kelsia. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. And um, again, like these, I can't make sense of these little prologues of each chapter, this mm. clear other story. And I'm, I keep, I know I said this in the last podcast, I'm going to go back and I'm going to re just read all of those and see if they make any sense. Again, like I can't remember specifically for this book, but I know there's a lot of foreshadowing and there's a lot of like things that come to fruition in future books. Like in the next two books from these little snippets. Oh, really? Um, and one of them in this book, I mean, way back, it was probably like within the first three, is like massive, 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 massive. But you would never know it. Yeah. Until you've got to the end and gone, oh my God, that's what that meant. But did you remember that or was that just a... No. 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 I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I got to the end, I was like, Huh, that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a cool way of uh, thing. And then 
when I was sort of like looking up some research or whatever about the book, I saw this little snippet and I was like, oh, fuck. That relates, literally relates to something that happens in like the final one. Right. And I was like, wow, that's, that's cool. so well done. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But I'm not going to say what it was. I'm not going to say no, what chapter don't. it was in or anything. Um, but it's pretty mind blowing. Well, they've got to, they've, they're going to be like that because otherwise they wouldn't be there. Exactly. Like so that's not spoiling anything. No. Um, so yeah, end of part one. End um, of part one. I'm really, really enjoying this book. I have to say, it's been great, and uh, looking forward to um, carrying on. Mm. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this, but actually bumper episode. This has been the longest one we've done on Mistborn, actually, because normally it's about, what, 35, 40 minutes? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Thank you very much. If you if you listen to this, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, like I say, tweet any feedback you've got for us. We're at The Broken Sabre. Um, download our Christmas special at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. I, I, yeah, I need to upload that. <laughs> Um, it's only nearly February, but I'll upload it soon. I think, to be honest with you, we'd gone out for dinner and then came back and recorded it after having a couple of drinks. And I think I'm, I was incredibly tired. So I think, to be mm. honest with you, you could just put it up as an outtakes episode and no one would know the difference. I can do that. It was pretty... Uh... I'll edit 90% of it out yeah. and play the last part and we're done. Yeah. Pretty much. And you could have stuck like all the stuff we've edited out of this tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> right. It'll take me about three days, but I could do that. <laughs> cool. So, as always, I've been Tom. I've been Matt. And we'll see you next time. Yes, we will. Good night. The Broken Sabre was created by Tom, Matt and Ian. It's written, presented and produced by Matt and Tom. Our equipment and studio are provided by Ian. Our theme music is by Phantom Enk and our Mistborn logo artwork is by Marcella Mars. Listen on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at The Broken Sabre. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week, you bloody legends. <laughs>